0: Two excerpts from *Bien Pretty by Sandra Cisneros. And before I start, I'm going to, in the spirit of this month's theme on forgiveness, I'm going to beg your forgiveness if I mispronounce any of the Spanish in this. I looked for my rose quartz crystal and visualized healing energy surrounding me. I lit copal and burned sage to purify the house. I put on a tape of Amazon flutes to bedding gongs and Aztec ocarinas, try to center my seven chakras and thought only positive thoughts, expressions of love, compassion, forgiveness. But after 40 minutes, I still had an uncontrolled desire to drive over to Flavio Mangua's house with my grandmother's and bash in his skull. When I was doing collages, I bought a few powders from Casa Preciado Religious Articles, the Mexican Voodoo Shop on South Laredo. I remember I picked Tantango Amarada and clavatado and Regresa a mi just for the wrapper, but I found myself hunting around for them this morning, and when I couldn't find them, Making a special trip back to that store that smells of chamomile and black bananas. The votive candles are arranged like so. Church sanctioned powers on one aisle San Martin de Pores, Santo Nino de Atoitra, El Sagrado Corazon, La Divina Providencia, Nuestra Señora de San Juan de los Lagos, folk pow- powders, powers, excuse me, on another. El Gran General Pancho Villa, Ajo Macho, Gallic Macho, La Santissima Muerte, Blessed Death, Bingo Luck, Law Stay Away, Court Case Double Strength. Back to back, as to not offend maybe, I chose a Yo Yopieto Maquetu from the pagan side and aversion to Guadalupe from the Christian. Magic oils, magic perfume, and soaps, votive candles, milagritos, holy cards, magnet car statuettes, plaster saints with eyelashes made from human hair, San Martin Caballero good luck horseshoes, incense and copal, aloe vera bunched, blessed, bound with string, and pinned above a door, herbs stalked from floor to ceiling and labeled drawers snake, rat, ant, coyote, cow hoof, were there actually dead animals tucked in a drawer? A skin wrapped in tissue paper, a dried ear, a paper cone of shriveled black alphabets, a bone ground to crystals in a baby food jar, or were they just herbs that looked like the animal? These candles and yerbas and stuff, do they really work? The sisters, procederó pointed to a sign above their altar to Our Lady of the Remedies Vendemos no hacemos resetus. We sell, we don't prescribe.
1: Thank you, Alan. So in the spirit of imperfection, we have to begin this morning by forgiving me, your imperfect intern, and my imperfect computer for auto-correcting the title of the sermon. In your order of service, it should say, vendemos, not some strange word that we don't know what it means, Vendemos, we sell. We sell, we don't prescribe. So many of our sacred scriptures and religious doctrine of many different traditions give a hard sell for forgiveness, but not nearly enough prescription. The stories we've heard today tell us a little bit about the struggles of forgiveness. Joseph and his brothers, Sandra Cisneros and her ex, we know that we don't want to carry unforgiveness in our hearts, but we don't necessarily know what we have to do to work through it. We're told we must forgive quickly and completely, or risk all sorts of soul perils. If we don't forgive others, how can we expect to be forgiven ourselves? Perhaps. But forgiveness isn't easy. And the hard sell alone isn't a magic formula or a recipe for how to go about the process of forgiveness. Too many times when we're hurt and betrayed, other people in our lives have strong opinions about how quickly we need to move through this process of forgiveness and how detrimental it is for us to carry unforgiveness in our hearts. Years ago, I was sitting in a retreat center. My eyes closed, listening to a guided meditation. For this meditation, we had been invited to imagine ourselves sitting inside the blossom of our favorite flower. My favorite flowers are sun lilies. So in my mind, I'm sitting on some lovely orange flower petals, calm, peaceful, relaxed. And the meditation leader continues on. And now, she says, I invite you to take a deep cleansing breath and imagine turning to your right. Turn your cheek. There, sitting beside you, inside of your safe, beautiful flower, you see the face of the person who has hurt you the most. It is time for you to forgive them. Oh, really? (laughs) It's time now here in my sun lily, in the retreat center of the meditation. Actually, I think it's time, like Sandra, to get my mocha heti, my stone mortar or pestle, and maybe grind up this flower a little bit. Because who are you, meditation leader, to decide that now it's time for me to forgive. What is forgiveness, anyway? This is a word we lob around quite a bit, and sometimes I'm not sure if we know actually what it means. Tomorrow is Reverend Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a holiday some of us refer to as a day on, not a day off in honor of the tireless work Dr. King and so many others inspired us to do, working for racial justice and human rights in this country. Forgiveness, Dr. King said, does not mean ignoring what has been done or putting a false label on an evil act. It means, rather, that the evil act no longer remains as a barrier to relationship. Forgiveness is a catalyst, creating the atmosphere necessary for a fresh start and a new beginning. It is the lifting of a burden, or the canceling of a debt. Now, I'm not sure that I agree with Dr. King in automatically linking forgiveness to reconciliation or to a continued relationship, There are some relationships that may remain unhealed and unsafe forgiveness may be an aspirational virtue for all of us but it never takes precedence over physical or psychological safety when i was at one of the many crossroads in my own discernment process on this formation process to ministry i was talking with a mentor about the situation that came up for me in my meditation in the sun, Lily, talking with her about this betrayal and this hurt, this situation in which I carry unforgiveness. And I asked her, with this resistance I have to this virtue of forgiveness, what kind of minister can I be? And she, my beloved mentor, said, you can be a minister who tells the truth. And I strive to do that. And I'll tell you the truth that even in my last year of divinity school, forgiveness is something with which I still struggle. I want to be able to tell you that I have it all figured out. But I have to admit that it's a practice of imperfection. In the story of Sandra Cisneros, she talks about spending 40 minutes (laughs) on working through her chakras and burning sage, saying prayers. And I imagine that there are many times when all of us take on these practices of clearing, opening our hearts with empathy and compassion and trying to let go. And yet sometimes the anger and the hurt is still there. And that's one of the things that I appreciated so much about this story of Joseph forgiving his brothers. In the story, when his brothers come to speak to Joseph, when he is the governor of Egypt, and they don't recognize him. A little bit more detail that we didn't get into the story this morning was that he played a trick on them. And he hid a precious cup in the bag of the youngest brother, Benjamin. And he, said, he accused the brothers and said, I think that you, you came to me asking for help, but I think that you are stealing from me. And had someone slice open each of their bags and the goblet fell out onto the floor. And he said, I will take this younger brother. You give him to me and I'm gonna throw him in jail. The other brothers started to cry and they said, we can, uh, no, we cannot put our father through that again again. (laughs) And Joseph said, "What, what do you mean, put your father through that again? And they started to tell the story of how they had sold Joseph, who they didn't know they were speaking to, into slavery, and how devastated and heartbroken their father had been. And they expressed their regret and the pain that they felt about the harm that they had caused. But it wasn't in asking for forgiveness. It wasn't a show that maybe they put on, for Joseph, wanting to put themselves back in his good graces. And Joseph was moved, and he took off his hat, he took off, you know, some of the stories they took off his mask, and they saw that it was their brother. And he said, I forgive you. That story also includes the reconciliation of the family, the reconciliation of all the brothers. The process of forgiveness isn't always that direct and simple. Sometimes we might have a sincere understanding of what happened, we might have a sincere apology from the person who caused this harm, and yet we can still hold maybe a grudge or some pain and anger in our heart. Simcha Fisher is a blogger she had this to say about the process of forgiveness. If we're having a hard time forgiving someone who hurt us, it may be because we're expecting forgiveness to be one of these moments of glorious crisis, exquisite pain, or excruciating joy, to be followed by the lovely dawn of an Easter morning with all the peace and joyous Henceforth, except that not even Easter happened that way. She continues, when we forgive someone, we don't just decide that it's over and tranquility and brotherly love from that moment forward we experience. No, we forgive and then we realize it never instantly heals the wound. Instead, we forgive and forgive and forgive again. Friends, the decision to forgive is a bandage that covers the wound. Simcha says, the actual process of forgiveness, though, is the same as physical healing. It is mundane. It's a hidden battle that happens on a microscopic level, restoring us cell by cell. Those are the end of Simcha's words. Cell by cell, forgiveness restores us cell by cell. Even after we decide that forgiveness is important and necessary and we want to do it, it can be a slow and painful process. Sandra Cisneros goes into the store and she's looking for candles and she's looking for herbs and looking for whatever tools she can find to help her through the process of healing her broken heart and forgiving her ex-partner. But the sign says, we sell, we don't prescribe. But I need to know, I need to know, Shia, do these things actually work? We sell, but we also need to prescribe for one another. Imperfect forgiveness, this is something that we practice in community. We don't have to do it alone. We can carry forgiveness with and for one another. When we talk about our first principle of upholding the inherent worth and dignity of every person, because we work through this process, forgiving ourselves and our imperfect ability to forgive, seeing our own humanity, helping us to see the humanity within one another. Every person, even our president who brazenly spews racism, even ourselves with our imperfect offerings. We keep showing up. We keep aspiring to bring our imperfect love into an imperfect community, forgiving again and again. The kind of forgiveness, as we said in our opening words, that seems unattainable, holy, miraculous, We keep practicing it imperfectly, giving life and love and creating family together. May it be so.